grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning as we observe and commemorate the baptism of our Lord, our epistle reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31, especially these words. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, choices, choices, they are before us every day. They're before us every hour. They're before us every minute of every hour of every day. Pretty much everything we do in life is a choice, right? We decide what to wear. We decide what to eat. We decide what to drink. We decide where to go. We decide how we're going to think, what we're going to say. Choices are before us all the time. Sometimes we make good choices. Sometimes we don't. But choices are before us all the time. So, what are we going to do about all the choices that we have? Well, when we make good choices, how do we react? What do we do? Well, you would not believe the restaurant I ate at. I made a really good choice. You would not believe the car mileage that I get out of my new car. I made a really good choice. You would not believe the politician I voted for. He or she is doing great. Boy, I really made a great choice. Isn't that how it works? We can't wait to pat ourselves on the back because of all the great choices that we've made. Well, what about when we don't make a good choice? If we get to the point where we would actually admit that we made a bad choice, a poor choice, a sinful choice, isn't it much easier to blame somebody else for the choices we ourselves have made? We decide to get out of bed a little bit late, we decide to speed down the road when somebody in front of us is going a little bit slower than we like, we decide that it is their fault that they are going so slow. Such is the way a life of choices works. 
Your alarm clock goes off in the morning. You have a choice. You're going to get out of bed or you're going to hit snooze. Five minutes, 20 minutes, an hour and a half. Shut the alarm off and forget about responsibilities. We all have choices that we make. You're driving down the road and the light turns yellow. Ah, this brings out the best and the worst in all of us, doesn't it? The light turns yellow. You have a choice. Are you going to speed up and make it? Or are you going to follow the law and slow down and stop? Full well knowing that the car behind you might be trying to make it too. There are consequences to our choices. You're gathered around in a group of people. Maybe it's at work, maybe it's at church, maybe it's at the family Thanksgiving dinner. And all of a sudden, the discussion that started out pretty tame turns into sinful gossip. You've got a choice. Are you going to participate? Are you going to keep silent? Are you going to protest and stand up for the good name and reputation of the person being dragged through the mud? We all have choices to make, and our choices have consequences. In our world today, when you hear the word choice, it almost always means one thing. The choice to have an abortion. That's what the word choice means. So you're pro-choice. Nobody's really anti-choice, are they? Pro-life. Nobody asks where that decision comes from, where that choice comes from, or how that choice is formed. Lines are drawn, politics are blamed, and the Word of God often is nowhere to be found in the discussion. In the church, choice is almost always talked about with regard to how a Christian comes to faith. On this day when we remember and commemorate the baptism of our Lord, our hymns, our focus of our service is on God's gift of holy baptism. But there are many Christians in our world who really don't believe what God's word says with regard to this gift. How does one become a Christian? Many people would say, you have to choose. You have to decide. You have to ask Jesus into your heart. You need to pray the sinner's prayer or some other act to show how contrite you are. Bottom line is, it's up to you. You have to decide if you are going to be a Christian. And then baptism becomes some mark of obedience rather than the life-giving, life-changing 
regenerating waters of holy baptism. The power of God's Word connected to simple water. My friends, choices are before us all the time. Our choices have consequences and even the word choice or choose gets twisted out of shape. So what's a Christian to do? How are we to know? First of all, with regard to how one becomes a Christian, and second of all, how are we to know what choices are good and God-pleasing? We turn to God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, an amazing chapter in Scripture. It's really hard to take a section out of this chapter apart from everything that is there in its context. We have before us verses 26 through 31. Consider your calling, brothers. Consider your, your vocation, how you were called. But even more than that, consider your status when you were called to faith. Seems like kind of an odd way to start a paragraph or a text or a pericope. This is really a continuation of this whole wisdom foolishness talk that the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul started several verses earlier. 1 Corinthians 1 beginning at verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly, foolishness, to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This whole discussion is about the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's really shorthand. We're not talking just about the cross, but we're talking about everything that Jesus is and everything that Jesus has done. Jesus, true God and true man, all in the same person. Jesus, born into this world to save sinners like you and me. Jesus, living a perfect life fulfilling all righteousness. Jesus paying the penalty for sin, your sin, my sin, the sin of the whole world. Jesus going to the cross, dying our death. Jesus stone cold dead, rising from the dead three days later. Jesus winning forgiveness, life and salvation for the whole world. This is foolishness. This is folly. Did you know that on social media, the American Atheist Society has a Facebook page and a Twitter account? Shouldn't surprise us. Earlier this week, they tweeted out a simple statement. It is scientifically impossible for someone to come back to life after they have been dead for three days. I read that and my first thought was, well, duh. That's the whole point. 
It's not scientifically possible. It is a miracle. It is a miracle of God that God would raise Jesus from the dead. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. My friends, the message of Christianity, the message of God's word is sheer foolishness to the world. The message of the cross is foolishness. Paul goes on right before our text. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Okay, so now not only is Jesus and his work Foolishness, preaching is foolishness. Words, words proclaimed. The world would say, they're just words. God's word says, the word of God, read, taught, preached is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Jesus, his person and work, foolishness to the world. Preaching, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, foolishness to the world. And then right before our text, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. The gospel is foolish. Jesus is foolish. Preaching is foolish. Let's be honest. The whole notion of there even being a God is foolishness to the world. So, fellow fools, This brings us to our text. Consider yourself. Consider yourself. You know where this is going, don't you? If Christ and his work is foolishness to the world, if the cross of Jesus Christ, the gospel and its proclamation is foolishness to the world, if God himself Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God in three persons, three persons in one God, is foolishness to the world. Consider yourself. What does the world think of you? We're fools, aren't we? We're fools in the eyes of the world. And God here is teaching us it's okay. It's okay. God chose you. That's right. You didn't choose him. You couldn't. Lost and dead in the trespasses of your sin. God chose you. 
And who are you? Consider your calling. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world. You! To shame the wise, the wisdom of the world. God chose what is weak in the world. That's you! To shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. Do you understand what God is saying here through Paul? There is nothing about us, our wisdom, our strength, our status, there is nothing about us that caused God to choose us. Isn't that a good thing? If it had anything to do with us, would we give glory to God for His great love? No! We'd be too busy patting ourselves on the back for all the great choices we've made, right? God, in His love, chose poor miserable sinners like you and me. Weak, lost in the trespasses of our sins. Foolishly making choice after choice that hurts us, that hurts others, that is contrary to God's word. The world looks at us and we are nothing. And what does God do? Out of things that are nothing, that the world doesn't even know or care if we exist, He gives us life. Real life. True life. He chose you before the foundation of the world. He chose you in the waters of holy baptism, delivering Good Friday and Easter to you at the baptismal font. He chose you and deposited in you forgiveness, life, and salvation. The Holy Spirit dwelling in you right here and right now by grace through faith. My friends, verse 30 says, He, God, is the source of your life in Christ Jesus. He chose you. He's the source of your life. And what does this mean for poor, miserable sinners who have been chosen by God and given life in His name? It means God made our wisdom and our righteousness and our sanctification and redemption. God has given you all these things. You are redeemed, not with gold or silver, with the holy precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You are sanctified. You are holy. 
washed and made clean in the waters of holy baptism, declared holy by the holy precious blood of Jesus. You are righteous as you are in Christ Jesus. God has declared you. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are the one that I love. God has declared you righteous because of the righteousness of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And God, who is true wisdom, fills you with wisdom. That's right. Fills you with wisdom. What good is that? Every day, every hour, every minute, choices are before us. God gives us His wisdom, His Word, so that we can make good choices. Choices that are according to the Word of God, that are according to the Ten Commandments, that love and serve our neighbor rather than tear down. Choices that lift up and encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ in the church rather than focusing on that unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. Wisdom so that the Word of God would go forth to the four corners of the world so that people would hear and be converted and believe that there is forgiveness, life, and salvation in and only in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for sinners like us. God's Word, Romans 7, specifically talks about how hard, how hard it is for a Christian to make good choices. The Apostle Paul says, Oh, the good that I know I should do, I don't do it. Oh, the evil that I know I shouldn't do, I keep right on doing it. Maybe like me, you struggle with making good choices, God-pleasing choices, choices according to the Word of God. Paul goes on to say, who can save this wretch? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He is your salvation. He is your redemption. He is your sanctification. He is your wisdom. And He fills you right now. What does such baptizing with water signify? It signifies that the old Adam in us should daily die by contrition and repentance and daily come forth a new creation ready to love God 
and serve our neighbor. My friends, God chose you. Rejoice. God washed you clean. Rejoice. God fills you with his wisdom. Rejoice. And in that rejoicing, let us return to the baptismal font daily, dying to our sin and passion and evil lust, our selfishness, our sinful desires, and come forth a new creation. And by the grace of God and his wisdom, a new Christian who makes good choices. May God bless us and encourage us to that end. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, our choices in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.